Good afternoon, everybody. Today's episode, second episode I'm going to do is something that's very important to me. That's my foundation of who I am today is sobriety. Talking a little bit about addiction. Many people in this area know my story. It's something that I hold very valuable to me. Um, It basically is my life right now. 2020, I will be, it'll be my 10th year on November 3rd of being sober. It's one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. And one of the things I like to do is do some of these types of uh, recordings. Uh, I do it on my Facebook page to hopefully be able to help one person who is struggling with the the, uh, world of addiction. Trust me, all of us know at least one person out there who is struggling with addiction. One thing I like to tell everybody, they always ask me, what was I like when I used? Well, Jekyll and Hyde. Um, All of us know the stories. Uh, We know somebody out there who is a very nice person when they're not using, and when they use, they are completely the opposite. That's how I was. Um, It's... I just became somebody different. Um, I have people that say to me, guys, when we're out, I wish I was like you. No, really you don't. It's my life. I wish I could have a couple drinks and call it a day. Uh, My thing was, (laughs) one was too many, ten was not enough. Um, I was one of those guys that couldn't have a 30-pack in my house or one of those kegmeisters in my house. Um, A six-pack was not enough for me. I, I, I would do 40s. At the end, I was doing eight 40s a day. Do the simple math there. Most of us drink 12, 16-ounce beers. Um, divide that number into uh, eight 40s is 320 ounces. Divide 12 or 16 into that. That's what I was drinking at the end of my run. Um, I have people ask me, how do you know there's a problem? What did you do? The common thread that I use with people, the common thing I tell people is, as long as an addict has one nab- one enabler left, they're not going to figure it out. And usually that enabler is somebody very close, usually a family member. Think about it logically. If you have a family member that's struggling with something, it's very hard to let go. We want to be able to help. We think it's failure if we can't help them. But at the end of the day, when it comes with an addict, you helping them, is, is just carrying them. It is just enabling them to, to, to continue the process. With me, I lost all my enablers. And I, I live my life according... I, I, I talk about the threes. And if you really think about the threes, it, it, it's really true. With addiction, the threes come into play. Once you lose that enabler, the addict loses that enabler, you have three choices. And these three choices are real. One going to die if you continue to use. Look, I know I'm going to die, but I don't want to contribute to that factor at all. Um, second, you go to jail. Look, I was in jail for a few days. That's not me. Three, you figure it out. It seemed pretty easy for me at the time. I figured it out. Um, I put myself into rehab. Um, my last... You know, I basically had to get myself in any way that I could. At the end, I wasn't working at the time, and I was on unemployment, and I was on the welfare system. So, look, I was—I went into rehab back in the early 2000s uh, with insurance. I went in to save my ass from going to jail. I had charges that were filed against me. I wasn't going to stop. I knew that mentally I wasn't going to stop. I hadn't hit rock bottom. So, 
my last run. This this day, I tell people the day I went in, I called in, basically called the welfare system in Philadelphia, which I have to tell you, if you're going to go into rehab, you contribute to the system. The welfare system is the way to go. Look, I went into a place where I could have been there forever. They have a three-story facility, uh, inpatient, first floor, second floor was like a halfway house environment, and the third floor were apartments. You could have rented and worked and and lived there. Well, on my last year of my run, my last day, I finally got in. They asked me to go down to a certain spot in Philadelphia on Burke Street. It was a detox. Okay, not a problem. I went back to my old neighborhood where I lived. Purchased my last 40. It's in the Italian market. I was walking down 9th Street um, with my last 40. Um, I got onto to the market Frankfurt L, which is a line that runs from northeast Philly into Center City uh, to 69th Street to West Philly. Got off at Burke Street, which was my stop I had to get off to go to the detox. Now, the next part of this story is when I knew I was really messed up. I got off the stop, and guess what the next thing that occurred? I'll, I'll stay silent for a second and see if you can think this out. Okay. What occurred is my 40 dropped out of my hands. Now, the next thing that I did... I realized that at this point I was really messed up. I got down on my knees and started licking the metal steps where my beer was. I stopped and I cried. At that point, I knew I was messed up. I was like, wow, I am I am an absolute mess. I have lost my life. I have lost, I can't fight this anymore. I have a problem. So I go down the steps. There's a bar at the corner of the street around the block where I had to go. Um, I, I walked in. The bartender had had total clue what I was there for. So you're here for your last one? I said, yes. The last beer that I had was a Yingling Lager. I had that beer. I, had, I was half, you know, I had a nice buzz going before I was going into the rehab. Walked into the rehab. Uh, yeah, not rehab, the detox. You walk in, you register, and you have these lockers, and you put all your belongings in these lockers, and they put you in these elastic, worst, not even hospital gowns, or not hospital pants, hospital shirt. It was this type of elastic thing. Um, these pants, just the, the elastic tie broke all the time on me. I always requested more uh, t- more pants. They put you on an elevator. You went up to the third floor. Um, I got up there, had my meal. They gave you some medication to deal with any sort of after effects because you, you, you could have convulsions. I mean, think about it. Those have tried to stop drinking on their own. It's very dangerous to do that because you could have seizures. I had the most whacked out dreams from this medication. That first night, I heard screaming galore. I was I was in the center of Kensington, which is in Philadelphia, and it's the biggest drug-infested capital of Philly, and a lot of people were coming into that detox for their methadone, so I would hear people screaming and yelling. I can remember being on my knees that night, praying to God, saying, please get me to the rehab. I will never use again. And I tell this other story to people, why I don't drink, really. There's many reasons why. I have more fun now when I go out than I did when I drank. And I also tell people, if you ever see me with an alcoholic beverage, put me on a boat, take me out about 200 miles. I used to joke, take me out 100, I'll swim back. I'm an excellent swimmer. I was a competitive swimmer and a swim coach. I will swim back. Take me out 200 miles, I'll swim back 50, and at that point call it a day and just sink to the bottom. So then I got to, uh, to, re- to the rehab, back to the story. 
And it, the struggle was the whole point was my life at, at 10. That's where all the struggles were. I had father issues. My father was a tough guy, tough kid, had to be raised by a dad who was tough. I had issues. I, I started drinking at age 10. Everything happened for me at age 10 except one thing. I'll let you figure out what that one thing was. I did everything. I smoked cigarettes, marijuana, first alcoholic beverage, first kiss, first fist fight. Everything at a 10 except one. The first year, I have to admit to all of you, was the toughest struggle. I didn't know how I was going to live. Look, I did a lot of stuff with drinking. I came home from work, ate dinner. I would have a couple cocktails. I watched, watched sports with drinking. I ate, I ate certain foods. I had, I had a cocktail. So the first year was very tough for me. I had struggles with eating. I, I was very skinny at that point. I went from where my body was shutting down, where I was weighing at 250 pounds, where if I still had pictures and I did it on my old Facebook page, which I don't have any longer, um, pictures of me I always kept to remind me, I was really skinny. I mean, I it was a struggle. And the point I try to tell people is this. If I can do it, anybody can do it. That old saying that you say, and I, and I hate to use it, but it's true. And I'm not going to sugarcoat it. The first year is hard. You're adjusting to everything in life. Look, I still do the same things I did before. I still like hanging out with people that drink. I like going to bars. I like going to sporting events. Hey, if I have an issue, I leave. Who's going to tell me any differently? Why are you leaving? What, are they going to tell me I'm lying? Look, there's a certain time in the evening that I have to leave places. It's just, you know what time of night that is. I leave when I, I leave. The one thing that I get uncomfortable with, which is, it, it's me, is people who know that I have a problem, that li- they like to drink, and sometimes they get uncomfortable. If I could ever tell somebody this, it, th- my, my situation is not yours. Some of you that I hang with can drink, and I think that's great. Look, you shouldn't feel uncomfortable. The one thing when I meet new people that will get me upset is if they change, try to change because of me. Look. I can remove myself, and this is what anybody should be able to do, remove myself from a situation if, I, if I'm having problems. That's, that, that's, my, that's, that's the things that they taught me when I was in rehab. It was, it's been the best 10 years of my life. And if I could help anybody out there, this is something that I, I, I'd like to do. Um, just always remember, you know, this, this doesn't discriminate against anybody. It doesn't care what race you are. It doesn't care what religion you are. It doesn't care what political affiliation you are. It doesn't care if you're rich or poor. As my one counselor said in rehab in one of the group sessions, he stated that this disease is a million to know. It'll wax anybody's ass. True story, it will. It can turn the nicest person into a real son of a bitch. And that's, that's, that's who I became. I became a whole different person. I don't miss it. I mean, do I have moments when I'm eating certain food? Of course. I'm not going to lie. I do. I do. Do I, st- do, I st- do I go to meetings? Yes, I do. Um, I go to, he- to hear the certain words, and I-, and I leave. The first four months of my sobriety, AA was great. Um, it got me through. I'll never rip it. Now, I-, I always tell people this. Each of us are made up different. We're all made differently. What makes me tick may not make another person tick. Now these numbers, I'm going. To, this number I'm going to give you is all addictions together, chemical addictions. It includes heroin addiction, which is so huge right now. It includes cocaine. It includes alcohol. The success rate is three percent. You're thinking three percent? That's it? Yes. My point. 
What may work for me or may not work for you. AA may work for somebody. It may not work for somebody else. There should be multiple types of recoveries for different for, for, for everybody. There should be different areas that someone can go get help. Look, I'm a type of individual that, that is, if someone tells me you have to do it this way, my hands go up in the air. And look, I still go when I need to hear the words. Um, it, it helped me a great deal, but I think there should be multiple avenues for recovery, for addictions. Um, again, many people ask, what are the three keys to it? The key for any, any addict to get help is they have no enablers left. When the ball is in their court, they have three choices. And I don't care who the addict is. And all the friends and relatives out there that you enable, don't do it. Don't do it. It's hard to cut off a tie with someone you love or care about that's an addict. But you're not doing them any favors enabling them. Okay? You're not. You need. You want them to get help. Throw the ball in their court. They've got three choices. Look, I'm not going to lie to you. They may not. They may not succeed. Those are the numbers. Those are the facts. But you know what? You don't know unless you cut off the tie. The hardest thing for relatives and friends is to cut off that tie. That's the hardest thing to do. But look, I'm I'm this success story. Um, I don't wear no badge of honor. No, none of this bullcrap of I'm brave. It's my life. It was the best choice I could have ever made. There's so many things in my life I want to do. There's so many people I respect out there that have great jobs, a great house, and actually can have a couple drinks. I had that. I lost that. Um, I'm, I'm still young. And there's still a lot of things I want to do um, and accomplish. I lost many relationships because of my drinking. I lost probably my marriage. Uh, to this day, I'll blame that. But, you know, I, I, I lost other relationships too. What is so wonderful about this sobriety is I've met so many different new people and rekindled old relationships with people that I grew up with that knew back then that I had problems, that I had an addiction problem. I had the addiction problem in high school. Who am I kidding? Who am I kidding? But hey, you know what? The, the best thing I could give anybody is, look, it's not easy. The first year is a struggle. You can do it if you believe in yourself. One more thing before I let you go. It's like anything in life. If you want to change your life, it's up here between your ears. If you want to go back to school, you want a different job, or you want to pursue a dream, you want to be better in your relationship. If you believe you can do it, you can do it. That's the same thing with addiction. I'm not going to lie. I do believe that there's a gene. But I also believe that if you want to change your habits and change your ways, you can do that. We each have that internal mechanism to do that. Look, I know, and this is what they told me. George, if you drink again, you will die. The decision for me was pretty easy. They also tell you that you, when you go back out, you don't start all over again. You, you go back out, you, you start where you left off. That, to me, is crazy. I, I could not go through another recovery, another rehab, or anything like that. And another thing that, that goes up to me, and I'll let you go after this one is a lot of people will will judge you look there are people that judge me that I'm ruining their party or I don't know what I'm talking about and that's cool we all have different opinions and views but I'll say this many of you that judge me couldn't go through what I went through or any any addict of any kind that has gone through recovery that's a tough gig 
a tough gig. And my thoughts and prayers are to everybody out there who is still struggling with this unbelievable addiction. It's right there with cancer. All of us know somebody that has fought cancer. I put that up there with addiction. We know at least one person that's suffering from addiction. My prayers and thoughts are all those. I appreciate if this helps one person out there. Um, this is who. This is what defines me as I am today. Is my sobriety. It's my foundation, and I, and I feel very strongly about it. And hey, I'm here to help anybody. And if this helps anyone, I'm I'm thankful and blessed, and thanks to God for that. So again, thank you for listening to me. Um, again, have a fantastic day. The struggle's real. Say prayers for all those that are struggling with it. Have a great day. Have a great Sunday night. Have a great weekend. Bye now.